Now more than ever, people are focused on getting and staying healthy. Much more than primary care, PartnerMD provides affordable, individualized concierge care to help you make the most of your health without all the hassles of traditional health care. With highly trained physicians, medically advanced testing, and virtually no waiting, PartnerMD is better health care for an even better you. Visit PartnerMD.com to learn more. Hey, sis, are you FaceTiming me from HomeSense again? Saving money, that's my jam. What do we think? Outdoor dining set or wicker lounge set? Since your signature dish is a margarita, go with lounge. Okay, I am so ready for this party. It's been too long. Wait, go back. Show me those pretty ceramic plates. They're melamine. Even you can't break them. Look, these cute cushions match my shirt. Is that my shirt? Outfit your outdoors. Have it today at HomeSense. Standout pieces. Outstanding prices. I'm going to have to, yeah. I'm gonna have to get a, you know, one of these, uh, how do you say it, stative, like you know, which holds the 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 iPad. You can just put oh, yeah. it there. And, yeah, I really yeah. gotta get that. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, folks. Uh, eighty-six boxing. Joshua here, of course. Then Slavin of Boxing Haven. In the mix, once again, we're here to discuss boxing. Welcome, welcome. Thank you all for being in attendance. So how's it going for you, Slavin, over there, or Slavin, whichever one? How's <laughs> it going for you over there in Norway? Yeah, it's pretty, you know, uh, not such a great weather, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, oh, it's rather warm anyway. It's not too cold, so we're holding okay. up. <laughs> not bad yeah yeah we have the sun out here today it has been pretty cold as of late but today it feels pretty good we'll see how it looks by the time we hit nightfall but uh interesting times of course with the climate and yeah. all so uh big boxing weekend of course this past weekend we had a lot of good stuff going on and it's of course highlighted by the marquee fight the main event the biggest fight of the year arguably between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Sweethand Plants. Now, this was a fight for the undisputed claim at 168 pounds. All four belts were on the line. We're talking IBF, WBO, WBA, and WBC. I mean, the ring was there, I believe. I believe that was into the fold. And we're talking lineal and all that. So this was for all the marbles. This was down to the last two. And it turned out to be a very good fight. And I think that Caleb Plant made a good showing for himself. Of course, for those that don't know, it ended up being being an 11th round stoppage win for Canelo Alvarez. That being said, it didn't tell the entire story of the fight because Canelo did have some trouble figuring out Plant early on. What were your thoughts on that fight, Slavin? Yeah, I, I agree. Plant did a really good showing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely created some problems. And, uh, well, uh, actually, I thought he kind of looked tired, you know, in the last couple of rounds. So maybe that's why he, he did get stopped in the end. I don't know, really. Uh, he did kind of lose some steam, but, uh, you know, he had some pretty good moments, you know, like that flurry in round nine, I believe he had when he hit Canelo with like five or six 
punches <laughs> clean. Yeah. So, yeah. Before that, he also called him coming in a few times. Yeah. And, uh, but unfortunately for Plant, he's not really, uh, really hard or big puncher. So no, that's yeah, what, what re he really lacked, you know, in order to make an upset. So, and yeah, Canelo just got to him eventually, as usual, as he does usually. Yeah, it was a good fight, definitely. Yeah, pretty good yeah. Fight. So I was, uh, I was actually pretty surprised by how good Caleb Plant's defense was early on. He mm. was doing a lot of glove blocking. So of course the crowd was with Canelo, which is going to be the case ninety percent of the time, and he's, <laughs> or ninety nine percent of the time he's fighting, and. Caleb Plant was actually blocking a lot of the shots that Canelo was throwing, regardless of the crowd mm. reaction. And that was surprising for me because I knew Plant was uh, very elusive and defensive, but I wondered how he would hold up against Canelo. And I think that he showed that, hey, he's got an A-plus defense uh, when it comes to him really applying that early on, regardless of, of course, yeah. him sort of gassing out and losing that steam at the end. Early on, his defense was really showing, and he and, and I mentioned probably in the Billy Joe Saunders fight, the Canelo Billy Joe Saunders, that uh, yeah. Billy Joe Saunders had frustrated Canelo a little bit for the first time in a long time, and I think that Caleb Plant took that a step even yeah. further, and he really had Canelo frustrated early on with an inability to really land anything clean. And mm. I think that made the difference in terms of Plant being able to last for as long as he did. And he did have a good offensive yeah. showing as well when he was able to put some punches together and land on Canelo cleanly. And mm. the size difference was, uh, was, was very apparent as well. Caleb is a fairly solid and big 168 pounder. So you could see that. And I think that played into it as well for Canelo as he was trying to work his way in and land something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Plant really has a good defense. Yeah, it must give him a credit. And uh, I didn't really follow him that much before, but uh, I did watch like a video where he's, where that was really like emphasized his, how good a uh, defensive fighter he is. You know, it's just that, I, like I said, sometimes, uh, like against Caleb Truax, he really wants to look good, you know, and then he takes yeah. a little, a few more punches than he would normally, you know, because yeah. he's more like gets so offensive. And, yeah. So, but yeah, I think definitely the, the, the problem was that he simply got worn down and, you know, worn out eventually by Canelo's constant attacks. And uh, in around 11, as I said, he really did look tired and, you know, gassed yeah. and all that. And I know Wind that, uh, yeah, coming into it, sort of Canelo's camp corner and all of that, they were banking on the latter part of the fight being the part which in which they would dominate. And it turned out to mm. flow exactly as that. I remember coming into this fight, I had predicted Canelo stopping Plant in the sixth. And you yeah. were spot on. You were saying you think it might go about 11 rounds. So kudos yeah. to you on that. My prediction game sucks. But, hey, you're good. <laughs> you need to start placing bets on these things. <laughs> yeah, you know. 
Yeah, sometimes I really, I mean, uh, yeah, I had a feeling simply that it would like end like late, like this in 11 round. So, and uh, yeah, before, you know, I, I used to do pretty good uh, job at predicting fights, but then for a while I had some, you know, some big misses as well. So I don't know about betting, but <laughs> and, uh, this time I really nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I think what added an extra sort of step in Canelo's regard is the fact that I know for myself, I had Caleb Plant up. I was scoring the fight. I had Caleb Plant up by two rounds. And I know there are mm. others in the boxing media in the world or fans and just in general who probably had Caleb Plant winning at that particular point. And so Canelo, I'm sure he probably had some sense of things and he remained steadfast and he was able to get that stoppage because if it would have went to the cards, even though Canelo was starting to come on and he would have likely mm. won those last two rounds, which would have left it a draw for me. Um, uh, yeah. I think it would have been very interesting had it gone to the cards. Yeah, but you know, the the estab establishment is sort of more yeah. on Canelo's side, I would say, or more, you know, likely yeah, yeah. to lean towards <laughs> the, the golden boy, like <laughs> the golden boy of golden boy. Like. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, I thought it was, you know, I've seen one uh, report where this guy gave plant like two rounds and that was round one oh, and wow. round three or something only. Wow. I, I didn't think it sounded right, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it must be establishment for sure, right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on, how can you only give Plant two rounds? He, he had a great showing, you know, even if you don't like the yeah. guy. I mean, he was really frustrating Canelo. That was apparent. Yeah. And many rounds were, I guess, hard to score too, because they were even, you know, pretty even. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, there were definitely some uh even ones, but I hearken back to the fact that what I was seeing from Canelo early on was he was he was placing his shots, but a lot of them were being blocked. They were bouncing off of Plants with Loves, and uh, that has yeah. to be taken into account. So, so those weren't really clean shots or anything that he was landing there early on. Yeah. So now I think there will be some kind of uh, theories about what happened, why Plant got so tired, and why, you know, there will be oh, yeah. some sort of, uh, <laughs> I would say, it, uh, conspiracy theory so yeah yeah definitely you know, something Canelo was in the water something yeah or <laughs> his gloves that really slowed down plant yeah some blah 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 <laughs> you know yeah. that happened when when tyson fury first stopped deontay wilder we had that stores nonsense you know mm -hmm. oh yeah. he had loaded gloves you know he doesn't hit that hard yeah, they were going yeah. a little too crazy with the conspiracy theories on that yeah. fight for sure. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how they feel about the uh, Canelo Plant fight, but I think it was yeah. pretty uh, pretty apparent that uh, Caleb was starting to wear down. He wasn't moving as 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 shifty and quick as he was in those earlier rounds, which allowed yeah. for Canelo to continue to just come in because Canelo through it all, did a good job of cutting the ring off. He just wasn't able to land anything truly clean mm. early on. But as Plant slowed down, uh, his defense, yeah. of course, your defense suffers when you start to get tired and 
that's how Canelo was able to get through, you know. But yeah, exactly. And you know, he used that kind of sneaky kind of uh, uppercut or whatever oh, yeah. it was in the first yeah. to score first knockdown. So that's exactly what you do in those situations when you see a guy tired. But you know he's got a good defense still, but you know that's the perfect way to get under you know his guard. And, yeah. So he right. really knows. He really yep. he's really good good finisher, Canelo. That definitely you know he's a, he's a really good. I mean he's trained yeah. really right when it comes to that. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. He, yeah, he's an underrated finisher, definitely, because yeah. if he really if he if he has the opportunity to get someone out of there, he really presses and goes for it. He wasn't able to do so with Caleb Smith, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. Yeah. And you you know with Co with Cole, he was actually losing. So that was very effective the way what he did there, you know, just like three punches, I believe, and that was it. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, that was another one that was a close one. I think that Canelo or Kovalev did look pretty decent early on, and Canelo started to come mm. on. But it was, I think it was a uh, closer, closer than what some may have thought there towards the end of it. And yeah. of course, Canelo, you know, finished the show. So um, moving ahead, let's think about the next big things like what is next for each of these fighters and we'll start with Caleb Flint yeah. he of course suffered this loss this is his first loss he's already posted something on social media saying he will be back and he showed that he is on that level that top in elite status uh so what's next for Caleb Flint who would you like to see him in there with that's a good question well hmm let me think well, there are definitely uh, some good opponents for him. Uh, hmm, who would be good? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that David Benavides because that's for Canelo. I mean, he's a better yeah. opponent for Canelo, yeah. Well, hmm, who, who do we got <laughs> really hmm, out there? You know, I, I think that... Uh... From my perspective, yeah. So we're talking PBC, and Jamal Charlo has been saying that he wants to fight Canelo or whatever. So yeah. I don't know where his mind's at as far as if he's willing to take on anyone else or how long he's willing to wait because Plant, of course, is going to likely have a break after this. But since they're both PBC in some sense, Charlo versus Plant would be a very interesting one. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Really? And, no, timing-wise, uh, yeah, timing-wise, it may not necessarily work out. I don't know if Jamal Charlo, I'm going to look, but I don't feel like he has anything lined up at the moment, uh, yeah. which wouldn't be surprising because, as we've mentioned before, his run at 160 pounds hasn't really, uh, hasn't really been – too favorable uh he he started out hot at 154 but it's been kind of few well, and far between competition wise there at 160 yeah this guy yeah i was wondering about jesse hart he's still at 168 it, uh, it seems so maybe no, i think he actually i think he actually moved to 175 if i'm not mistaken oh, yeah i think he's, he's at 175 now unless he's, he's kind of still... battling back in between 
Yeah, because he's still ranked among the top uh, number four at 168 here, but maybe they have... Okay, I think it's been a couple of fights since he fought at uh, 168, but I can yeah. see him being ranked there. I don't know if he can... Uh, he, he, I don't know if he can make it or not. He probably can. Oh, yeah. He's, he's well yeah. put together, but I, I wonder if he's going to stick with... 175 for the time being yeah because he you know uh lost to joe smith jr yeah uh, and then he beat mike guy he had the fight lined up for november 27th actually and let me see where is this uh it says super middleweight so maybe he's you know going back down this super like mm. middleweight like you mentioned yeah. so his last three fights had been at 175 or somewhere in that range uh well, i don't billy know if there were catch weights or whatever but yeah, yeah. well billy, billy joe saunders might be also a pretty you know decent fight for caleb plant i think yeah that would and, be interesting yeah because both have now been beaten by canel so it would be like you know who is the second best in the division or that sort of stuff <laughs> or, oh yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm going to look, see who else is here in around 168. So Daniel Jacobs, I don't know what's going on with Jacobs. Uh, yeah, then he, he's He would be mystery. an interesting <laughs> one, but yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, David Benavidez, of course, may be in that running for Canelo. Then you get to the likes of guys like John Ryder, who's a decent uh, UK yeah. fighter. Uh, Tough guy. Shooting off. Fedor Chudinov. Yeah, I don't know that's if he'll right. <laughs> be someone that they'll uh kind of get in the mix there. Of course, Rosado and Shilamba. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, another guy that's out there, of course, who won on this same car was Anthony Durrell. So maybe yeah. he's a player in the mix in some yeah, fashion. Yeah, I was, was going to mention, but he said he's only interested in fighting Canelo. If he can't get that, he said he will retire. That's what I watched today. <laughs> That's what uh, Anthony said? Yeah, but maybe he will change his mind. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was actually on Twitter and someone mentioned, I think it was, uh, uh, what's her name? Frenchon Cruz. How about she asked who should uh, Canelo fight next? And she threw out Anthony Durrell. And I was like, I'm not against it necessarily. He lost to Benavidez. Yeah. But that being said, he has been a very active fighter and trying to really put yeah. on good fights and uh i like that stoppage when he just got that was a perfectly placed uppercut over yeah. marcos well, hernandez so why not give anthony Durrell that shot yeah why not that would be a good like farewell for him uh, last yeah. big baby <laughs> so he's yeah. 37 now you know yeah yeah but he's also yeah, yeah, he's also a tall guy, like 6'2 or something. He's pretty good mm -hmm. boxer also, you know, technically and all that. So uh, I think he could at least give Canelo you know, uh, also a rather good fight if he really, sh you know, like, <laughs> showed up at his best, you know. Yeah, why not? Canelo took on uh, Avni Yildrim, so why not take yeah. on Darrell, who's yeah, a right. better fighter than Yildrim? <laughs> Yeah. It would I definitely mean, I, put up I, a better showing, I'd imagine. Yeah, I could see Durrell really, like, at least for, like, 
some like six, seven, eight rounds, he could give Canelo a really, really good challenge. Yeah, but I also, agree. Yeah. We also have another guy, uh, Zach Parker. He's like the new exciting, uh, you know, mm, knockout artist, that. let's say, or something like that. Uh, so, UK guy. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I don't also, know if I've seen him, but I see that he beat Von Alexander. That's the name I know. I stopped him in two rounds, actually. Yeah, so he's also been doing some calling out Canelo, even actually lately. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think he he's gonna get that fight soon, anyway. But uh, he might want to fight Plant before if he gets the the chance, the offer, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> And, you know, we were talking about David Lemieux. He actually fought this year in June, actually. Got a two-second-round stoppage over David Zagara. So this oh, yeah. was uh, – so he's, you know, campaigning – been campaigning at 168 since 2019, but he's only had three fights. So one in 19, <laughs> one in 20, and one this year. But his he's buzz isn't – yeah, it is, his buzz yeah. isn't quite what it was, but uh, he is a name out there, a big puncher, as we mentioned. Uh, so well, it'll be interesting to see if he gets lined up in, in there with someone. And you know what? I would actually like yeah. to see if Jamel or Jamal Charlo is going to go to 168. I would like to see him going against somebody like Lemieux, see how he handles that. Yeah. I actually thought Lemieux was older, but he's only 32. I thought he was like 36, 7 or something. <laughs> Yeah, that is so, uh, yeah, that is pretty crazy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, I guess. Yeah, for a I, he did start pretty young, you know, because I remember him like in 2011, he was like starting out really like for real. Yeah, that, I remember watching when he lost to Marco Antonio Rubio. I think that was ESPN. Yeah, what a shock! Like a Friday night fights. Yeah, yeah, it was. So yeah, he lost to. Uh, Marco Antonio Rubio, yeah. So and then, he, then he's right a good after name. that, he lost to uh, that guy, oh, yeah. Joaquim Alcine. <laughs> oh, but yeah. that was on points, yeah. So, yeah, he definitely had a uh, had to have have a few lessons before he started uh, winning, uh, win, winning bigger fights, yeah. Yeah, and he uh, and he racked up a number of good win, uh, or big wins, well, decent wins after that. They were no, they were good wins. Yeah. He beat Fernando Guerrero, Gabriel Rosario, Rosado, Hassan, and Dunn. So he fought all those guys in around Glenn Tapia. He actually Curtis Stevens. Curtis, he actually has a very good resume, yeah. you know. He lost, yeah, of course, to Billy Joe in uh, Triple G. But that aside, he has a very good resume. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a serious puncher. No doubt. I mean, he's got really some serious power. <laughs> That's yeah. no joke, no joke, definitely. So he's, a, as I told you earlier, if he had been a, a more of a technical boxer, also technically capable, he would really have been a major star, like, you know, like, yeah. like Triple G in that kind of, you know, mold mold <laughs> oh yeah 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 definitely in and triple g yeah he was able to maximize but, his abilities you know to the highest degree yeah. being one of those sort of knockout artists and, and his way of going about it so you yeah. make a good point there 
Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to be both a great puncher and a really good boxer, a clever guy. That's really rare, like very, very rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most certainly. So, yeah, that makes for some interesting stuff then. Uh, and as far as uh, Canelo, of course, the really, uh, he's the quote-unquote cash cow so everyone yeah. wants to fight him if you're at 160 168 175 of course everyone wants canelo and it's a matter of who he ultimately feels that he wants to get in a ring with and who who fans are yeah. clamoring for and i know we discussed it maybe a guy like david benavidez offers him the type of mm. fight that would uh stretch him a bit more you know yeah definitely I think uh, yeah, he would be like the toughest challenge right now for Canelo. Probably, yeah. I would say so. And maybe Jermal Charles also. Yeah, I think so. But uh, <laughs> the the problem is we don't know how well he would uh, like uh, grow into this division. So, I mean, when it comes to power and all that. So Yeah, that's... you know, we, we, we need to see. I think... Yeah, he's had some solid that the the Revian Chinko win was a very good win. Um and yeah. it's really a matter of you know, after that he fought the guy won Montiel, but you know, he oh, yeah. he I just feel like you know, he's kind of out of sight, out of mind in some sense. You know, yeah. with these he's only fought once in 2020 and of course once this year. And yeah, he's like he's like resting on his laurels too much, you know. <laughs> he's been in some social media beefs, but uh that's oh, yeah. about it. <laughs> he was talking, I wanted to see him and David Benavidez since they were talking back and forth, but that oh, yeah. of course is not <laughs> happening. So no, I want to see more from uh Jamal Charlo, unlike Jermail, because I feel like Jamel Charlo, he has actually fought all the top guys at 154, yeah. you know. Win yeah, or loss, yeah, you know, he's fought all the top guys. Jamal, we can't say the same about. Yeah, Jamal really has a much better record when it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. He's really keen on taking all the best, you know, uh, fighters in his division. So, while yep, Jamal yeah. is doing more like of a cherry picking, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I thought that Jermail lost against Brian Castano, but that being said, he has been willing to step in the ring with anyone at 154 as it relates to trying to unify those titles, you know. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I kind of knew Castano was really good, I mean, well, really, really world-class when I first saw him uh, fighting, yeah. like two years ago, I believe, I stumbled upon him. <laughs> So I said to myself, this guy, you know, he's really going to be something soon, like a big one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, um, and and yeah, I think what uh, actually solidified it for me was, uh, you know, him being in there with the likes of uh, Arizlandi Lara. And yeah. uh, even though it was a split decision, I know many thought that Castano won that fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, right but hey yeah. you know it's kind of like that sometimes i actually saw him at the well i was there he took on wally uh 
Omatoso, who's at Omatoso. the MGM Grand here. I kind of missed uh, pretty much the bulk of that. I came in there right at the end because I had went to grab some coffee or something. But uh, mm-hmm. Wally was on a little run and it was looking pretty good. And he took him out. And then for him to be able to uh, beat uh, Patrick Texiera, who was a solid fighter, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, he. And now doing this, even though it was a draw that many think he won, myself included, hey, Castano is the real deal. Yeah, definitely. He's a very tough guy, too. I mean, he uh, also took some loose shots against Jermel. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's he a did. Really, yeah, very, like, uh, physically talented, I would say, fire. Yeah athletic and all that but also good good technician good uh, pretty much good in in all fields i would say yeah oh yeah definitely now um i wanted to go back a little bit because of course we didn't really get to uh chat over a long course of time but there were some other very good fights that took place that have gone on over the last several weeks I'll start yeah. with, were you able to catch Jamal James against Batayev, Radzad? Oh, no, no, sadly, no. <laughs> remember, I, I know that we had discussions about it, and I felt yeah. that uh, Batayev was going to stop Jamal James, just looking at the pressure that he applies and his ability to just take shots, and that ended up being the case. It turned out to be a, a very good fight for Batayev, Um Jamal yeah. James, he was gained the entire time, but he was essentially broken down and all of his best yeah. shots. Batayev was actually just taking them in stride and he kept coming mm. forward. So something about those Eastern European. Well, yeah, Eastern European, you know, he's uh, from yeah. a certain part of Russia. And, it, and it's what I'd say, they're just, they're just built different, you know, because he was just mm-hmm. taking, taking addition, you know. Yeah, those guys are just thick, tough, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the former Soviet school, you know, that's really some serious shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely some, some tough cookies there. Yeah. And um, also, Jerron Ennis took on Thomas Delorme on the 30th as well. This was on that oh, same yeah. card. And, and Ennis destroyed Delorme, basically. Yeah. Now I, was, I figured he was gonna get the win anyway, but the fashion in which he did it, he showed that he's he means business and he is very much a player there at 147, regardless of who he's in with. Yeah, he's a, like the new exciting uh yeah. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Fighter in that division, yeah. I really can't, I'm really looking forward to see more of him future yeah definitely i did see that knockout yeah yeah he, he had uh delerme out of there and uh he actually said that uh based on the questioning from jim gray if it were up to him who he wants next is errol spence which i think would be 
a very oh, good yeah. one. The, the question Diana. is whether or not, <laughs> yeah, the question is whether or not Errol Spence would want to fight him, especially coming off of yeah. the uh, retina surgery or whatever it may be with his eye. Yeah, that's, there are a lot of question marks right now around Errol Spence, I think. Yeah, like uh, his yeah. shape and how much he's willing or motivated to fight the guys like Crawford or some of the other top guys. So, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so it should it should be interesting. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who uh, who he gets next. That this being Ennis, but you you make a good point because we're gonna get Crawford Porter. We can talk about that fight yeah. as well. And I'd imagine the winner of that fight may ultimately face off with Ugas. So mm. I think that's probably how things will play out for next year in terms of the first like major fight at 147, which means that yeah. we're looking at sometime later in the year. And maybe Errol Spitz will be back then. Who knows? Uh, he had been... Hopefully. fighting at like twice a year i guess at this point and mm. it'll be interesting to see you know see how he looks and if he's gonna take some type of tune-up or whatever when he comes back which may very well be the case mm. yeah well we'll see uh now were you able to catch uh mikey garcia when he fought i forget who he took on but you know he took a loss right yeah, that's right. Wait, you know, I let me see who <laughs> he fight. And I felt that, yeah, he deserved. Oh, yeah, Sandor Martin, he was a guy out of Spain. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, and you and, know, I think, no, I don't think I saw that because that was uh, not uh, not shown on the zone, I think, because I have the zone and they don't show all that, <laughs> unfortunately. That was in Spain, right? Or, or no, was or it, it took place over here, Sandor, oh, yeah. Spain, unheralded so for, in, in many regards. But hey, he thoroughly outboxed Mikey Garcia. One of the judges who was under the table had it 95 95, which is blasphemous because Mikey Garcia <laughs> was outboxed the entire night, and the two other judges yeah. had it 97 93. I could have seen it being 98 92. It was that much of a outboxing that Sandor. Uh, was yeah, able was, to apply. And, it was and, a big, really big shock to me when I read about it. Yeah, wow, it was and so the, and the, Yeah, and the thing that I've mentioned, I think I was mentioning this with Brick, is uh, Mikey Garcia, as of late at least, he's been playing the game of kind of tiptoeing in boxing here, tiptoeing out there, and, you know, just kind of trying to choose the fights that he wants without seemingly having that full-fledged commitment, especially since he's made his comeback from that long period in which he was out. And I know some promotional issues were tied to that as well. But I think a part of the problem is this tiptoeing and him not being fully committed is, is what left him vulnerable to losing to Sandor Martin, who was able to outbox him. And I don't even know if Mikey Garcia, from what I've seen, really truly belongs at 147 pounds uh, yeah but i think it's right. more so he just that may just be where he's comfortable with in terms of whatever weight cut he has to do or lack thereof right now with the way that he's operating in the sport 
Yeah, I don't think he really belongs in 147. That was a mistake, you know, letting him fight there. And uh, especially for more than one fight. So he's, I think he's more at home at 140. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not just, uh, you know, there are guys out there at 147 who are much bigger than him, you know, also. So mm-hmm. <laughs> much and taller, you ten- know. Yeah. Sandor Martin wasn't regarded as someone who was like a, a huge puncher or anything because he only had 13 knockouts in his uh, yeah, uh right. 39 wins. But that being said, he was bigger, he was yeah. fast, he was he was he was just better in many facets. He was bigger, he was mm. faster. Um, Micah Garcia he landed a few things, but nothing really. That put he, nothing that put Sandor Martin in trouble at any point. And Micah Garcia's yeah. campaign at 147 thus far has been a thorough loss to Errol Spence, a win over Jesse Vargas in what was a decent fight, and then a thorough loss to Sandor Martin. So it's a matter of where does he go from here? And you know, I was mentioning the tiptoeing. So he's only fought once in 2019, once in 2020. And this fight he just lost in 2021. So I don't even know if he intends to sort of bounce back and try and uh, make up for this or or what, because he seems to be kind of uh, saddling the fence, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I think the problem is he's, he was always used to destroying his opponents, you know, when he was at featherweight and super featherweight, lightweight. Yeah. Suddenly he came up to the, this division where it wasn't so easy, you know, with those bigger guys, and he had to rely more on boxing skills. And I don't know if there was just something that didn't work work so well for him in that division, one forty-seven. Yeah, and I know so, it's been mentioned before as well, even by his brother Robert Garcia, that Mikey doesn't necessarily really like boxing like that. You know, he yeah. does it or whatever, but um, it's not like a passion of his. And maybe that kind of what it ultimately boils down to. Yeah, he's, he's always been a, a knockout artist, you know, a very, very offensive guy. And he's never been a defensive fighter at all, you know. No. So <laughs> when he had to do that also, I guess he just couldn't do that well enough. And that's why when he had to think and be clever and all that, he just wasn't able to do that well enough. Yeah. I, I think that's that might be the, the reason. You know, I'm not some trainer or whatever. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, and if you really kind of just look at the landscape of 147 in general, yeah, he just doesn't fit. I don't see yeah. him beating any of the guys who are there in title contention. Uh, even the likes of like a Jerron Ennis, uh, who is considered an up and coming, I I don't see Michael Garcia doing much with him because he's bigger. He's been fighting at 147, and he's shown that his explosive has pop in either hand, and he can fight from whatever stance. So Mikey is just kind of out of place there. So it'll be interesting to see what he does yeah. going forward. And he wouldn't fare any better if he goes to 154. So his best bet is going yeah. down. Yeah, I think he will probably wind up retiring or something. I don't know. He's like, he's 33. 33. Yeah. Yeah, 33. 
or soon to be 34, I believe, something. Oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah, he was like born in December of 87. I don't know. Mm. So, okay, so yeah, he'll be 34 here in a month, a month or less. Yeah, he's so much younger than Robert that I sometimes forget that they are actually brothers. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, Robert, not his uncle, right? <laughs> yeah, Robert looks mm. so much older also you know, now. So, you know, mm -hmm. but their oldest brother is actually born like I think 66 or something. So, Danny, okay. I think the thing is, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good that's good stuff he's yeah, like 21 he years old. yeah older than mikey yeah that is pretty crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey uh there's another fight jose cepeda took on jose vargas i don't know if you're able to catch that knockout this was a guy who i guess he was out on social media and he was really getting at cepeda and he ended up getting the fight i saw something alluding to him being ranked like 53rd in the welterweight division or the 140 pound division or something like that he had been on tv a few times and uh he had a uh undefeated or he wasn't undefeated actually he had one loss that was back in 2016 but zapata mm -hmm. blasted him in one round yeah. yeah he didn't have any win of significance as a matter of fact now that i'm looking at it so right. Zapata was able to just blast through him in one round and uh, and all of the uh, talking and back and forth. And he really was getting at Zapata and causing their start to weigh in and press conferences and things of that nature, <laughs> grabbing Zapata's belt. And uh, it oh, turned yeah, out to right. backfire on that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was trying to do that because he saw Shakur Stevenson do that with Jamel Harry oh, and it yeah, backfired yeah. on him. But he got blasted, yeah. and uh, it wasn't even a contest. But I yeah, like Zapata. Was, there wasn't much to see, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like Zapata, and I saw yeah. something that He's, said he could potentially be taking on. I need to look this up. It's someone. It's a, it's a significant name there at one. Oh yeah, Jose uh, Ramirez. Oh, yeah, that's a good fight. And they Very fought good. before, and I thought it was a great fight. And uh, that's All what right. really put me on to uh, Jose Cepeda and made me think that, hey, you know what he is? He's an elite-level fighter. Um, and yeah. so it'll be he interesting. Definitely, yeah. Definitely is, and he's a puncher also. So very exciting, yeah. But I know, I believe he wants Josh Taylor as well. Which is uh that's an interesting one there in terms of Josh Taylor yeah. and what's happening with him because I haven't really heard much as of late, but he is another one. Oh, actually he has a fight lined up. I see. Let me see who he's taking on. Oh yeah, Jack Catterall. Wasn't that supposed yeah. to happen previously? Or maybe uh, I'm mistaken. But it's know, slated for February of next year. So yeah, I guess Carol. that's pretty much a wrap. Yeah, I think it was supposed to happen in December or something first. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was supposed to happen. But actually, but this yeah, should be a pretty good fight. Yeah, because Carroll is 26 and all, and he's pretty high, highly rated. And uh, Yeah, I've seen a couple of his fights. He's a very good boxer. He's, he's, yeah. he's very good technically. And um, I think that, mm -hmm. yeah, he should he's match up well for Cepeda. Yeah. Or he should, yeah, he's not a puncher, but he, he should was, match up well with Taylor. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, he's not a big puncher, but he's a definitely a good boxer and uh, I guess a tough guy too. And yeah, that will be a good uh, like good win for Taylor because I I do expect him to win it. That's oh yes, without so. a doubt. And I yeah. actually favor uh, I favor Josh Taylor to win as well because. I just think Josh Taylor is one of the most battle-tested fighters in the sport today in terms of him getting to his title. He really went about mm. it the hard way, you know. Some guys yeah, don't have to go through all the top guys in the division, but he literally has fought all the all the names at 140 pounds that you could expect yeah. uh, anyone to fight, you know. Yeah, and he was like – he really started fighting the best guys early. He was like, I don't know, nine, ten, and all something when he had, yeah, or I don't know, something like that when he had his first really, you know, important fight. So, yeah, yeah, I think I, I actually think that his, uh, oh, what the heck, I have some sound here in my headphones, but I actually think his run at, at Undisputed for 140 pounds was yeah <laughs> I, I favor it a little bit more than i do crawford's actually yeah yeah just, yeah i think he's just amazing he's just amazing you know and uh, i kind of expected him to lose to regis prograde but uh, that was really an amazing yeah. performance really i <laughs> I could yeah, I think, never uh, have expected that sort of uh, performance. Yeah, so, I think many did. Many, many favored Regis in that fight. I think I even favored Regis, Regis yeah. slightly. I gave him a slight edge, but I was kind of back and forth coming into it because I knew what Josh Taylor could do. But I think mm. when it came down to it, and if I would have put my money where my mouth was, I would have gave that slight edge to Regis, and I would have uh, lost, of course, because Josh Taylor showed <laughs> – his medal and he is definitely one of the top fighters out there pound for pound unquestioned yeah. so so yeah i like I, to, i'm interested in seeing him back in there yeah i mean i just the way he moves he's got really good movement i think and uh he's just able to adapt very well to his yeah. opponents you know, game I agree. And, yeah just i agree and he doesn't really waste his punches either, usually. So, yeah. Yeah, he has a great mix of everything, you know. He's just yeah. super sound. The way he and, beat, and... Yeah, the way he beat Ra Ramirez, that was, you know, really yeah. wild. <laughs> you know, and I favorite Ramirez in that fight. And, uh, Taylor, yeah, he was Taylor, impressive Taylor before that. that, yeah. So, yeah. Taylor he stopped like... That. He stopped Maurice Hooker Ramirez before that. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was a good fight. That was definitely a good fight there. Yep. So yeah, so we're so so that's another good one, and I see Jose Carlos Ramirez is lined up for. Okay, so so yeah, Jose Pedraza. That's who Ramirez is going to be fighting next. Yeah, he's gonna be Pedraza, fighting Jose yeah. Pedraza. I had said Zapata um, earlier when I was saying I saw Zapata's name, but I, oh, yeah. it's actually Jose Pedraza. Yeah. That is I kind of also, I kind of also tend to mix them up, you know, those yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this should actually be a pretty interesting fight. I think Pedraza is a is a very good fighter, very crafty, and 
I think that this will be a good test yeah. for both of them, actually, certainly for Ramirez and coming back, see how he handles someone like Pedraza, who isn't going to necessarily be there to be hit in the fashion that he, he may like, but we'll see what he can do with uh, Pedraza in all actuality. Um, yeah. And, and I like this fight. I think it's a pretty uh, fairly even matchup, a slight edge to Ramirez. I think I, I do rate Pedraza highly. I think that that's the best win on Devontae Tank Davis's resume, that Jose Pedraza win. And I think it has mm. shown over time why that is the case because he bounced back from that and put on some pretty good performances even in his losses yeah. they have been good performances and he pedraza went the distance against lomachenko and uh, he also had some good good moments in the fight if i remember correctly <laughs> so he's definitely uh, a kind of classy fighter yeah yeah, it was that fight that had people thinking that Loma had lost a step, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, <laughs> each time he doesn't shine, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. no, Loma is kind of going down. That's how it goes. Huh? <laughs> but that Same. Nakatani win, I feel, showed that Lomachenko is still a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, of course, of course. The way he dismantled him. And it wasn't yeah. even close. I just think uh, that the female fight came at the wrong uh, time for Lomachenko. And, you know, there was that talk of shoulder injury. I believe mm -hmm. he didn't really fight at his best level. But, uh, of course, the female is very good. I know of he course. got uh, surgery immediately after the fight for what yeah. it's worth, I guess. So he was taking on a lot of young lion, you know, and uh, he wasn't really at his best, at his yeah. uh, peak physical condition. And he still managed to win. Like, I think I had it to draw, actually. So, you know. You know what? <laughs> I, I had it, uh, I had given a slight edge. I need to see it again. But I had edged yeah. it for Lomachenko, I believe. You know, of course. Yeah, I remember yeah. <laughs> yeah, scoring is subjective, but uh, I had edged it for him. But, you know, I need to look at it again and see how it yeah. feels and how I look this time around uh, going you know, and scoring the I fight. I couldn't do more than six rounds, that's for sure. But he's still, uh, I didn't think he either deserved to lose. And especially, you know, as wide as that, those scorecards were. <laughs> that was kind of yeah. rather... Yeah, ridiculous. That continues to crop up. The fact that judging it continues to be horrible in uh, boxing, and it's yeah. because they oftentimes recycle some of these judges that have horrible scores in fights, but they still use them, and and yeah. it, it, it's unfortunate. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, I was mentioning that the Michaela Mayer Hamadouche fight that took yeah. place. Uh, this Maiva, past I'm Friday, Maiva. Yeah. 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 So I, I told you, it's a fight of the year candidate. They were really banging and bringing it. I recommend checking it out. Now, in that fight, one of the judges had uh, Michaela Mayer winning every round, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, which was absolutely insane. If you see the fight, mm. you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that is a huge problem. And like, what happens to this judge? Is I this, this judge? I presume nothing, 
but it was absolutely insane that this judge would give every round to Michaela and you had to see yeah. the fight to, to see that there's a huge injustice there. And, and I don't know yeah. what the, well, I do know what part of the answer is to kind of trying to fix this, but of course it's, it's my opinion, but I think that they should no longer just utilize yeah, those that are tied to the athletic commissions in that state and they should allow for judging and those judges that are assigned to be from anywhere. So even if you're fighting in mm. Vegas and you know that there's a judge in New York, a judge in D.C. or a referee or official in D.C. who is worthy of being able to score this in a proper fashion, you should bring them in instead of going to the same ones from the commission there if they are providing these bad cards. So that's yeah. my opinion on it. Really, I I wholeheartedly agree, and I think only like it's. I don't think many enough are aware of that problem in the United States. But you know, people like you have worked in that. You know, uh, how you sit in that yeah. system. You know, you, people like you can see it, of course. But uh, when you talk to some like a regular fans like a boxing you know, they say oh no it's not that bad germany they always just they always bring yeah. up germany you know just look how it is over there but you know it should as be i said that i way. think actually yeah actually germany has improved lately yeah. in that way because they did used to have really terrible judging but like yeah in this like maybe 10 years ago they started you know doing a lot better in that perspective so yeah yeah definitely yeah. and you know and as yeah matter of fact yeah i've been back in the mix but i even you know here of course i uh officiate on the amateur side here in the u.s i've done a number of fights uh judge and all that stuff uh officiated or referee in the ring and all of that and judging is even a problem in the amateurs yeah. as well it's a it's mm. an amateur problem yeah. now there are there are things that usa boxing for instance and i believe aiba as well who happens the international they've tried to put into place they had this like rating system that they were trying to go about they're utilizing that for um kind of showing and seeing which officials were judging you know proper by comparison to their peers it's it's cool and all, but I guess, excuse me, it could be flawed in some sense, but it's really based on how you score by comparison to how the other officials who are scoring at that same time in that fight score. So, for instance, if you score around, say, if, if, if there are five officials or five judges and four of the judges scored the round, score round two for the blue corner and you score for the red corner, then that's going to reflect negatively upon you. Uh, which yeah. in most cases it probably should. Um, so it's kind of like one of those type of rating structures. But I will say that that's where it starts sort of on that amateur side. And there there are certainly problem, problems there, but it's improved. But really we need some additional individuals or some mm. fresh perspectives there on the pro side as well in terms of getting there. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's, 
I would say some of these individuals aren't in these positions based on merit or aren't getting these fights based on merit. It's more so based on relationships, you know, and that's going to always be the yeah. case, I guess you can say, in the sport. Yeah, I know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there have been some kind of, uh, how to say it, controversies before that uh, I don't remember exactly what, but uh, there was one fight which I know that uh, was between an American fighter who was promoted by Dan Goosen, and uh, there was one, okay. I maybe Mexican or something, I don't know. Or maybe even from South America, and there, <laughs> there was some sort of controversy. They're really serious, but it just got you know, like uh, you know, sweeped under the carpet because you know Dan Goosen was the promoter of uh, you know that guy who won. I believe he shouldn't have won, or he may, may have made some sort of foul that was ignored. You know, there was always some sort of stuff going on before also but now yeah it's more about the the judging you know very very corrupt judging yeah yeah so, and you know in, in boxing in itself i've realized from an inside view it's very incestuous in some sense uh and i think that plays into it as well adelaide bird isn't regarded as a as a very <laughs> good uh very good judge but her husband is regarded as a top tier uh, referee yeah. and therefore she tends to get a lot of these fights even though her judges judging hasn't warranted such and she's had yeah. a lot of controversial cards I think that's the incestuous nature of it especially when it comes to Las Vegas which oftentimes is the spot where you're going to have the biggest and brightest lights yeah and that's also part of the problem yeah yeah. Las Vegas, you got a lot of stuff that is going on that is real, you know, really shady stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh not throwing so in that bet element and everything and being yeah. tied to casinos and things of that nature. And it can't help but make you know fans yeah. or people in general question things, you know. Yeah, that's the problem because boxing is so often connected to that that kind of world, casinos and betting, you know, and there is always going to be some sort of cheating and, and shady stuff going on, you know. So, yeah. There's a reason that uh, Floyd made his home Las Vegas <laughs> while he yeah. was active, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so who's going to deny anything that is going to bring in the type of funding one of his fights is going to bring in, you know? That's why you can get sanctioned to fight a Conor McGregor, for instance, in a boxing match. Yeah. Yet, yet, Jaime <laughs> Mengia can't get sanctioned to take on Triple G. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's right. So, so questionable yeah. things right there. Questionable things. Who <laughs> yeah. knows? Jaime Mengia might have been right there a perfect timing to take uh, Triple G out, you know? We'll never know because it was denied. Yeah. He is a if if anybody can do it, it's him. I think definitely, yeah. Yeah, boxing is crazy. Tommy Mangiaz was yeah. denied yet, yet uh, Evander Holyfield was somehow granted a license in Florida. Oh yeah, that's that's really boxing terrible. for you, man. Boxing yeah. for you, of course. 
we're preaching to the choir and us talking to ourselves, right? <laughs> and then you have a guy who in 1994 had a serious heart condition. You know, that's Holyfield. And this is 2021. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he was what, <laughs> 10 plus years removed from uh, actually being in the ring or something like that? Yeah. And he so, was already, you know, past it when he actually left the ring. That's just insane. Yeah, that's really terrible judgment of course to let him fight and uh, it's like if somebody had let the uh, big daddy bull also now go yeah, and I'm fight glad they like, canceled that yeah <laughs> if yeah. somebody had let him fight like some guy who was you know among top 20 heavyweights or something ranked yeah. there you know he would have been of course murdered <laughs> yeah and and he should, he's in no position to be taking any additional shots in our actuality, you know? So it's, it's yeah. so insane. But hey, you know, another day, another boxing talk. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I guess we have to bring this thing to an end. It's been a good discussion, of course. And we're going to keep this yeah, thing going sure. here at some point. <laughs> so uh, I'll be in touch for sure. But uh, I do appreciate mm. you hopping on and... uh. Hey, until the next yeah. big round of fights happen, we'll be staying tuned. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> All right. Joshua City here, 86 Boxing, Slavin from Boxing Haven. Everybody go follow Boxing Haven. Go check it out. Facebook, all that good stuff. So, all right. Have a good one, Slavin. Yeah, you too. See you. Right. Bye-bye. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there is a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.